0: joining us for this message from Shades Valley Community Church in Homewood, Alabama. We pray that you are blessed by it.
1: If you'd like to know more about Shades Valley and its ministries, you can visit us at
0: shadesvalley.org. So I invite you to open your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. And I will read verses 1 to 18. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid, and he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree, and he asked that he might die, saying, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life For the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mount of God. There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it and he wrapped his face in his cloak and he went out and he stood at the entrance of the cave and behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left and they seek my life to take it away. The Lord said to him, go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, and Abel, Mahola, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Hazael shall Jehu put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Brother, we will hear you gladly. Even now,
1: Lord Jesus, even now, even now, I ask this in your name, amen. God be praised, what a delicious, delightful privilege to be in the presence of Lord in the midst of his people. God inhabits the praises of his people and we ought not to be inhabited by what he inhabits. It's a joy to be here. I love Pastor Jonathan. I love Pastor Brad. They are dear to me. I could spend a lot of time talking about that but um, they know I will travel land and sea, to see about them. I've been trying to get this way for a while, COVID, then a medical crisis and so forth, but I'm here today not by accident, not by incident, not by coincidence, I'm here by providence. And so I'm glad to to see you. I'm glad to see you because I'm gonna be spending eternity with you and it's about time for us to get to know each other. (laughs) Glad to be here. The mighty acts of God in Christ through both word and deed are prefigured in the life and ministry of Elijah in order for us to experience the renewal of the spirit in our own lives and ministry. The mighty acts of God in Christ through word and deed are prefigured in the life and ministry of Elijah in order that you and I may experience the renewal of the Spirit in our own lives and ministry. I'm not binarian, I'm Trinitarian. So the mighty acts of God in Christ through word and deed are prefigured in the life and ministry of Elijah in order that we might experience the renewal of the Spirit in our own lives and ministry. Martin Luther reminds us that the way to advance in ministry is to go backwards, in other words, the way forward in ministry. Is backwards. So he constantly says to us, "Go back to your baptism. Go back to your justification." He is drawing from the reservoir of Reformation theology, the five solas, Sola Christa, by Christ alone. John fourteen six. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Sola fide, by faith alone. Romans 5 and 1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Sola gratia, by grace alone. Ephesians 2 and 8 reminds us it is salvation that comes by faith through grace. Sola Scriptura. Hear the words of Jesus in Matthew 4 and 4. Man, human shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And then to summarize it all, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, Sole Deo Gloria. For the glory of God alone. In everything you do, whether you eat or drink, do it all to the glory of God. That's five solas. And I am not at all trying to do corrective surgery on Reformation theology after five centuries. But I do think that... uh, if I would've had my little bit, I would've intentionally said, there's one more sola. Solu spiritu, by the spirit alone, to make a Trinitarian. <laughs> For Paul says in 1 Corinthians, or in Romans 8 and 9, want to advance, the one who does not have the spirit of Christ is none of his. You want to advance, you go backwards. It is ad fontes. that's the Latin word, to the sources back to the sources, back to the doctrinal roots of the church. Never mind the gadgets and the gimmicks and the novelties. Never mind what's happening now in theology. Never mind what's going on in the church that seemingly has the great draw because it's contemporary, hear me. Stay with the sources. Stay with those iron rods, the whole, the concrete of the church together. Elijah stayed with the sources. That's what held him in a tumultuous, turbulent time in his life and ministry. We think of Elijah oftentimes only in the sunshine. We don't consider the the shade of his life. We think of him in 2 Kings chapter 2. Here he is walking alongside, come here Brad, walking alongside of his apprentice, Elisha. And he asked him, He says, Elisha, is there anything that you want me to do uh, before I'm taken away from you? They come to the Jordan River. Elijah takes his cloak, rolls it up, hits the water. The water sparked like they did when Joshua and the children of Israel came to the very edge of the Jordan River. And as soon as the priest's feet touched the edge, the water separated. Elisha didn't want money, didn't want titles, didn't want fame. He says, "I want a double portion of your spirit." He says, "If you watch me as I ascend, and you catch a glimpse of me, a glimpse of me, then you'll get what you've asked for." And sure enough, God sent a chartered chariot chariot of fire with horses of fire that came down and carried Elisha away, Elijah away. And Elisha saw it, took the garment, hit the Jordan River just like his master Elijah. It opened up. The 50 seminarians looked at it and said, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And now Elisha has a double portion of the spirit of Elijah. Well, brothers and sisters, that's the side that we look at. And that's the side that we want to see. Elijah does not die. He outflies death. But oh, there's another side. According to James chapter 5, verse number 17, Elijah was a man of like passions. In other words, he's just like us. James Sanders has said, biblical characters do not primarily serve us as models for morality but rather mirrors for identity. Biblical characters do not primarily serve us as models for morality. Be like Elijah. No! For everyone in the Bible is stained. Everyone in the Bible is tainted. Everyone in the Bible is sinful. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. No! models for morality, but mirrors for identity. How do I see myself as I look in the mirror at Elijah who stands before me? Elijah! Here's a man who stands to let us know that just as the Spirit of God renewed my life and ministry, he can renew your Life and renew your ministry. Here's a man that was had everything that you would think a person could have, and yet came to the point that he really had nothing, he was empty and even sought to take his life. I remember driving down the road, I had a pocket full of money, pocket full. And I had somewhere I needed to get. Didn't have time, but a pocket full of money and a gas tank where the needle was inching over the empty point. I kept on driving until the car after a while started sneezing and coughing. And I knew I was in trouble and I was hoping that I would get to a gas station, but I didn't make it. Pocket full of money, no gas. From fumes to empty. And that way, the ministry, after 57 years, I know what it's like to look at my calendar and to have every Sunday full. I know what it's like. To have titles. I know what it's like to have writings. I know what it's like to be in the upper echelon of popularity all that stuff. But my soul's empty. My soul's dry as dust. But the people are blessed. But I'm empty. Driving on empty. Do you know what it's like to fool? Everyone thinks you're fool because the way you preach, the way you sing, the way you play, the way you serve. Your soul is empty. And Elijah got to the place where he became empty. Dr. William Hendricks, you wouldn't know that name. But he was the head of the PHD Department at Southern Seminary. And he was the one who had the final say of whether you got in or not. But one of my friends, Dr. Rob Jackson who's given me permission to share this. He shared it all over the United States. said that he applied for the program, got into the program. Dr. Hendricks was his favorite professor. Dr. Hendricks mentored him. He took every class with Dr. Hendricks. When Dr. Hendricks went to the Holy Land, he went, stayed a couple weeks with him, etc. He graduated, got his PhD, passed it. Central Baptist Church in Decatur, Alabama. Went down to the University of Mobile. Taught down there. Is now working for the Alabama Baptist State Board of Missions. Done extremely well. The Lord has blessed. And God put it on his heart. You need to call Dr. Hendricks. He called Southern. He was no longer at Southern Seminary teaching. He called Golden Gate Baptist. Seminary. He, he had moved from Golden Gate. Gone down the Southwestern. In Fort Worth, Texas. He called there. And the receptionist said, Dr. Hendricks is no longer teaching. He has retired. He is living in the city, but he has retired. He said, I must have his number. I must call him. She says, it is against seminary policy to call. But I will give you his number if you don't reveal the source. He called. Mrs. Hendricks picked up the phone, gave the phone to Dr. Hendricks, and Dr. Hendricks said, thank you for calling, after he shared how much Dr. Hendricks had meant to his life. He began to sob, and Rob asked him, what's wrong, Dr. Hendricks? He said, I was just at Southwestern the other week. I walked down the hall, and no one spoke to me. No one knew me. All the books I've written, all the people I've counseled, all the lectures I've given, no one knew it. But you called me today when I thought that my life was in vain, my labor was in vain, and you said to me that I've made a difference in your life. He said, I can die now with a sense of fulfillment. You can get to that place as a parent when you pour yourself out seem like what you said rest on deaf ears as a pastor as a leader as a friend you get to this place of emptiness i hear jim mckay throughout the 60s 1960s there it is spanning the globe to bring you the ever-changing variety in sports From the thrill of victory to the agony of defeat, the human drama of athletic competition, this is ABC's wide world of sports. Thrill of victory, agony of defeat. And those two polarities of emotions reside in the breast of Elijah. Feel the victory. Agony of Victor. Feel the victory. 17th chapter of verse Kings. Here is Elijah walking around Northern Kingdom with the key to the water department on his belt, saying in his three and a half year meteorological report, it ain't gonna rain. No dew, no rain for three and a half years. True, it happened. The animals are dying, vegetation is dying. And God reserves a brook that's still babbling and bubbling. And there he's able to drink and sends him meals on wings. A blackbird catering service that brings him bread and meat in the morning and the evening. And he's drinking from the brook every day. But then the brook dries up. Thrill of victory, agony of God sends him to Zarephath, Gentile territory. No Jews, Gentiles. That Syro-Phoenician area mm, that we see in Matthew 15. And there's a woman gathering sticks. She has a widow. she has a son, husband's dead, of course. And Elijah sees her and has the holy audacity To say to her, knowing that she's gathering sticks to rub together to make a fire, she has just enough meal and enough oil to make what we call a whole cake. A whole cake is a gigantic biscuit for you young people. (laughs) They're going to eat and drink and die. And Elijah says, make me a little whole cake first. And she honors the man of God. And in honoring the man of God, she honors the God of the man. And feeds him. And the Bible says that for the rest of the famine, God sustained her. Because every time she dipped out a pint of oil, God put an oil well in her jar. Every time she dipped out a pound of meal, God put a cornfield in a barrel. So she kept on dipping out and God kept on dipping in. And it lasted for the entire famine. Feel a victory, but her son dies, and she sends for Elijah, and Elijah takes him, prays over him and God raises him from the dead, and then God says it's time now for a showdown at sundown on Mount Carmel, and Elijah asks the question in 1 Kings 18:21, "Ahab." Jezebel, Northern Kingdom, how long are you going to halt between two opinions? You can't have the luxury of neutrality. You can't straddle the fence. If God is God, serve God. If Baal is God, serve Baal. And God spoke by sending down fire from on high. And 450 prophets of Baal are slaughtered. Thrill of victory! But then... King Ahab gets the report together and gives it to his wife Jezebel who was really the king. She just sat on a different throne. When she gets it, she puts a 24-hour APB out on Elijah. All pointability. By this time tomorrow, you're going to be just like one of my prophets. Dead. What does Elijah do? The one who stood against 450 prophets when one woman... Challenges him. He runs all the way down to Beersheba with his servant. And then leaves the servant there and goes a day's journey to the wilderness and sits underneath a broom tree and says, I've had enough. I want to die. Lord, take my life. Agony of defeats. Here he is. No wonder once the church was so right. Success is never final. And failure is never fatal. It's the courage to continue. That counts. Here is Elijah. Bringing his servant with him. Down to be sheep. The Bible says when King, Queen Jezebel Put this death threat out on him, the first thing he did was become afraid. That's what the text says. Afraid. Leaders don't fear, do they? Leaders don't become what my great-grandchild calls it, scared, do they? No, no. <laughs> Leaders are supposed to be people with steel in their bones. We're not supposed to feel that intimidation but the problem that we have oftentimes is we forget that God didn't tell us to be super Christians God just calls us to be Christians we don't have to put on it's all right to be afraid it's all right to be angry in fact it's all right to tell God how you feel Because he already knows how you feel feel before you say it. Psalm 139 verse 2 says, he knows our thoughts are far off. Which means before you get the thought, he abducts the thought. He kidnaps the thought. He knows the thought. So go on and tell him how you feel. He'll give you the luxury of the first word, but he always reserves the last word for himself. Share. Express. And let God work it out. He was afraid. Not only was he afraid, the text says, but the text also says that he ran of hmm. fear and running. It's, it's Karl Marx reminding us, that Swiss theologian saying, that courage is fear on his knees saying its prayers. If you can take your fear, and have enough courage to bow before God and tell God what's on your mind, no matter how it hurts. Lord, I don't understand why this happened. Why is it that the righteous suffer and the wicked prosper? Why is it when I've been faithful to you, you allow this to happen? Why? And God will let you talk. And when you get finished talking, God and you come out by saying this great is thy faithfulness great is thy faithfulness morning by morning new mercies I see all I've needed thy hands have provided great is thy faithfulness Lord unto me, he ran he's afraid Mm. and then he leaves his servant in Beersheba, and goes a day's journey, alone, till he gets to the wilderness. He's now alone, which is where he needs to be, alone. I come to the garden alone. While the dew is still on the roses and the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God, discloses that he walks with me, he talks with me, he tells me I'm his own, the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known, alone, alone, and God does his greatest work in the life of Jacob when he's alone, when Jacob has run from his father who he has lied to, and his brother Esau who he has defrauded, and comes Took place at night where he is tired and he uses the grass for his mattress and uses the stone for his pillow and uses the sky for his covering. And God has angels ascending and descending and speaking to Jacob. And Jacob finally wakes up and says, Surely the Lord was in this place and I didn't know it. But that didn't happen. That revelation did not take place until Jacob was alone. And 20 years later, Jacob is on his way back. And after he parcels out his family, leaving Rachel and his two boys by themselves, God takes and jumps in the divine presence and wrestles with him and changes his name. Jacob wants wants to know the name of God. God changes his name. No longer Jacob, but Israel, which means God fights. But with transformation of Jacob's name, there is dislocation of Jacob's hip. Because you don't get transformation without dislocation. You want it. You want the power. You want the change. You want the dynamic. But God wants to do something so that folk can see that your walk is different. You don't have to say anything. People see it. There's power in dislocation. How long has it been since you've talked to the Lord and told him your heart's in secret? How long since you prayed? How long since you stayed on your knees to the light shone through? How long has it been since your mind has been at ease? How long since your heart knew no burden? Can you call him your friend? How long has it been since you knew he cared for you? Are you afraid of being alone with God? Away from the noise. Away from people. Away from responsibilities. So that God can speak to you in the innermost recesses of your being. Beyond your epidermis. In those thin places. Those narrow paths in your life where no one else can walk except you and God and Elijah is now alone Look what he does he sits underneath the broom brush tree he's left Beersheba Beersheba is the southernmost part of, of Judah which means in essence he's out of his prophetical territory he's supposed to be prophesying up in the northern kingdom up in my, up in Maine he's down in Key West He's, he's out its his resignation. Symbolically, he's given up. And there he sits underneath this tree and he prays. Listen to his prayer. I've had enough. Can't take any more. Do you know those words? I've had enough. I've been through enough to know that he is enough for me. I've been to the bottom and I've found that it's solid. It's enough. I've had enough. Take my life, he says. I want to die. Here's the same man that's going to go to heaven without dying. Look at him now. Take my life that's really what God wants to do take his life and take your life oh I don't mean extinction that's not what I mean at all take my life and let it be consecrated Lord to thee take my hand and let them move by the impulse of your love God wants to take our lives so that we can say to him Lord I give to you as much as I know of myself to as much of you as I know. Take my life. And he said, I'm no better than my ancestors. I want to die. This is the prayer that was not answered. I don't know if you prayed prayers um, like I have at times, but I'm grateful that God vetoed some of my prayers. Because I was looking up to the corner. He saw around the corner. In fact, he sees the end before the beginning begins. Let me move on. How much time I got, uh, Brad? Okay, right. I'm not going to take your grade back. You made an A. It's okay. <laughs> the Bible says that he does something that's that is very religious. He doesn't take and listen to a C.C. Winans tape. He doesn't go and hear a sermon. He doesn't read a book of theology. He goes to sleep. Because there was an angel that had um, cooked some bread and had some cool water for him and woke him up and he ate and drank and went right back to sleep. Because he was emotionally tired, physically tired, spiritually tired, psychologically tired. And the best thing you can do sometimes is simply rest. Not always read, not always be active, but rest. And then the angel touched him again and woke him up. He ate and drank. And on the strength of that, of those meals, he goes 40 days down to Mount Horeb, which is interchangeably and synonymously used with the word Mount Sinai. 40 days. What do you do? Because I think we read the Bible too quickly. What do you do in 40 days? You do, you cannot not think. What are you thinking about Elijah? And what do you and I do when we have to make our trip from the wilderness to Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai? Arthur John Gossip was a great Scottish preacher, pastor, his world. His wife suddenly and dramatically died and it rocked his world. He didn't return to the church uh, immediately after the funeral. Stayed away for a while, but when he came back he preached a sermon and the, the title of the sermon is a famous one. When life tumbles in what then? When life tumbles in, what then? Because he said Christians live their lives oftentimes in the sunshine but don't know how to be sustained in the night when life tumbles in what then when people are watching you we've been singing and we've been praying and we've been uh, shouting and people want to know is it really real do you really believe what you've been preaching? And I want to tell you, when life tumbles in, God catches you. God keeps you. God holds you. God strengthens you. God enables you. It's not strength that you have over your own. Somehow or another, God swoops you up. And you feel his strength. And you know that it's God who has done it. Forty days he arrives, now he is at Mount Horeb, or Mount Sinai, goes into a cave. It's amazing, he's running from, mm, to, because you can never run from God. Jonah would tell you that. He's there before you leave. He's the only one who's quicker than right now and sooner than already. He's a God who's always there. And God asked him, Elijah, what are you doing down here? You're supposed to be prophesying the northern kingdom. What are you doing down here in the cave? What are you doing here? Well, let me stop and just ask you, what are you doing here in this place? What is our purpose? Have we come to worship worship or have we come to worship worship? God do we have faith in faith or do we have faith in God because God has to always be our object what are you doing here did you come for an event or did you come for a fresh encounter with God Elijah what are you doing here Elijah says I've been jealous for your cause I've been zealous For your purpose, they've torn down your altars. They've broken your covenant, not your contract, but your covenant. They have killed your prophets, and they're trying to kill me, and I'm the only one left. God says, All right, I want to manifest my deed and reveal my word. deed and word because the mighty acts of God in Christ through both deed and word are prefigured in the life and ministry of Elijah so that we might experience the renewal of the spirit in our own lives and ministries. So God says to him I'm getting ready to pass by you I'm going to put you up on top of the the mountain here. That's familiar talk with Elijah because he he knew that God said to Moses in the 33rd chapter of uh, Exodus, I'm going to pass by you because you've asked to see my glory. I know how nosy you are. I know how curious you are. I'm going to put you in a cleft of the rock. I will put my hand to blindfold you. I'm going to walk past you so that all you see will be my back parts because if you saw my glory my raw radiance you'd die and so this happened with with Elijah and God in terms of deed showed or manifested a furious wind passing by but God was not in the wind and God manifested a split breaking and shattering rock session, but God was not in the earthquake. And God caused the fire to blaze, but God was not in the fire. Fire Was not in the deeds. Wind, earth, fire. But then God spoke in a whisper. A still, small voice. Because when you whisper, you don't have to use your vocal cords. And God was in the the still, small voice, because Elijah covered his face with his garment. Not he can't do that with these more dramatic, sensational things. But when he heard the word, not just saw the deed of God, but the word of God, it moved him. My big concern for the church today, one of them is... We are so motivated by the sensational, by the deeds. That's what gets us. We are not oftentimes moved by the word, simple word. Can you stand when you don't get the deed? When you hear Job in Job 13, 15, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Do you have enough yet religion so that you can stand when there are no deeds? If there's no cattle in the stall, if there are no crops on the field, if there no, are no grapes on the vine, if there are no figs on the tree, yet will I rejoice in God my Savior. See, oh, are the word. Can you say like Three Hebrew boys. We know that God's able to deliver us from the fiery furnace, but if not, we still won't bow. You're gonna to have to come to a point when God may not give you a sign, may not give you a miracle, may not do anything dramatic, but is his word enough? Can I trust his word when there's nothing that's miraculous and nothing that's moving? Is it enough for me to hear him say, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you? Well, God takes and repeats the same action, asked the same question again. Elijah, what are you doing here? Elijah, why does he need to be asked that same question again? Is, Is it the fact that he is hard of hearing or is the fact that, uh, uh, that he's a man that has amnesia. And why does God have to keep asking us the same question? He's not doing anything new. He's asking us the same thing, and we have not gotten it. And so the Hebrew word for, for teaching is the word for repetition. He has to keep saying the same thing over and over again. What are you doing here? And Elijah repeats the same thing. Let me finish. God says to Elijah now, Verse 15. Go back the way you came. Go back. Go back the way you came. God is calling us to go back. Ad fontes. Go back to the sources. Go back to where you first met the Lord. Oh, not for re-salvation. No. You'll never be re-saved because you never lose your salvation. I'm talking about your ecstasy and your passion. Go back to where you came. Jacob, Go back to Bethel. Go back to the house of God. Go back to the time where I encountered you. Mary and Joseph took Jesus to his first bar mitzvah in Jerusalem. And after it was over, after that and uh, the unleavened bread uh, feast was over, they went a day's journey thinking that Jesus was was with their acquaintances and their relatives. But they found out that he was not. They went back to Jerusalem, back to the temple. And what was he doing? Teaching doctors and lawyers and asking questions. Go back. And here is the prodigal son. Go back. I'm going back to my father and say to him, I have sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your servant, your son. Make me one of the hides. T- go back. Church of Ephesus. Revelation 2, 1 through 7. You have left your first love. Go back. And God speaks to us. Where is that fervor for his word? I'm not trying to put anybody on a guilt trip. Don't you ever miss the Lord? Miss that intimacy with him? That appetite that you once had has long since gone. God calls us back. Elijah is called to go back. And then when you get back, I'm reassigning you. I want you to take and anoint Hazael, the king of Syria, anoint Jehu, the king of the northern kingdom, and anoint Elisha as your replacement. I still have something for you to do. One of the most important powerful scriptures for me is Mark 16 and 7 where Jesus tells Mary Magdalene, go and tell my disciples and Peter that I go before them in Galilee to meet me there and Peter Mm. Peter would not have felt invited had that and Peter not been put He's denied the Lord. I want you to know today, God is not finished with any of us. And Brad, and Robert, and Ashley, and, and, and. He calls us back. Regardless of what we've done to reassign us. I leave you with this. Elijah came from a place called Tish some tiny unknown place but he prefigures Christ who comes from a place called Nazareth for Nathaniel asks can anything good come out of Nazareth Elijah goes 40 days and 40 nights without food and Jesus fasts 40 days and 40 nights Elijah is thought of in terms of Jesus for Jesus will ask in Matthew 16 who do men say that I the son of man am and the disciples said, some say that you're Jeremiah some say that you're John the Baptist and some say that you're Elijah and on the Mount of Transfiguration here is Jesus here's Moses representing the law but here's Elijah who represents the prophets Elijah will be the one who will go to heaven and not die. But thanks be to God, Jesus will be the one who will die that you and I might go to heaven. And he rises from the dead and ascends into heaven and will come back again while we are working and having our ministries renewed. Christ is empowering us by the Spirit in order that we might see his mighty acts and see him working through word and deed so that we will see in the life of Elijah that God is renewing us by his spirit in order to carry out his work have you been to Horeb? now go into the
0: world in peace have courage, hold on to what is good, honor all
1: men, strengthen the faint-hearted. support the weak, help the suffering, and share the gospel, love and serve the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit, and may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with us all.